I think it sounds good. Look at you got a little nice little setup here. Thank you. Yeah, Dope. I tried. I love it. It's a budget friendly. It works. Dude, you know what? Now you can do all kinds of things, budget balling, and it still sounds... I produce a podcast for a friend of mine as a favor. It's called Midlife Surfer. He records it on his phone. And like you listen to it, it gets great listens. Like he gets people donating to it. He records it, literally talks into his phone. I keep telling him, like, get, get him something like this, you know? Yeah, the P4, the Zoom is... it's. It works. It's great. It's mobile. Yeah, I mean, you can use the PC based one, but I think I feel like the sound quality through any sort of, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of expensive ones too. No, totally. I have the Roadcaster, which I love. Yeah, that's probably the next step, but yeah, I don't know. This works. It's got mic processing in it too. It's like, it's pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) How many listens? How many listens are we getting per episode ish Uh, off the record? Just between us. Ask ask me some. Well, you don't have to air this part. Just, uh, yeah, I think, I think. I don't know. Looking through the algorithms is really tough to see, but the downloads, right? So I just see the downloads. Yeah. So I've had 2,200 downloads. Totally. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. Up to this point. That's fantastic. That's this year. Yeah. So, good no, it's you. pretty good. Yeah. But I just don't understand. The, I don't understand the numbers. Mm-hmm. Like anything new, when it comes to any sort of business in the world, it's like yeah, I know. you're trying to figure out the numbers and you're like, what does this mean? Is this good? Is this bad? Am I, I know, I know. You know? And I was like, is anybody listening? And what's a download? And then it's like, you have 22 active listeners. Like, I've had 2,200 downloads, but 22 active listeners. I don't understand the... I don't know. I don't what they define as an active listener. Maybe that's someone who's like listened to, uh, I don't know. Either, yeah. I, I mean, 2,200 complete over all the episodes. And then you figure, you know, maybe there's, because uh, I'll see on mine, it's like, oh, you have, they just define it differently. It's like, um, maybe like people who listen to, you know, 65 or 70% or more of the episode. Yeah. The timing or episodes is a whole thing too. So, and then they got to listen to the whole thing too, right? Kind of like YouTube. YouTube's a whole. I don't even understand YouTube. YouTube's another one. YouTube's like you get credit for a a view if they've watched like I don't know two to nine seconds or something. You know what I mean? But then your algorithm goes up if they reach you know sixty seventy percent of it, or of course if they finish it, get to the end. So that can even increase. It changes everything. Yeah, Yeah. I I, I don't all the all that stuff's like. Watching the numbers is like so difficult for me because you have you know we do this because we like it yeah because we have that's fun. the only reason why and I only started I only started kind of watching it as of recently as far as the numbers because I was kind of curious like yeah. I wonder what it's doing like sure and then it's like oh you got listeners in fifty different countries is like really that's crazy cool rad good for you yeah <laughs> like, see that's cool how did that happen you know yeah so and I'm only speaking one language yeah. <laughs> But don't think about that. It's like the first time I ever got on the radio, you start instantly thinking about everybody listening, right? Yeah. One of the best things I learned about radio, I don't know if we're on right now or not, but one of the best things I learned about radio is to consider that you're just talking to one person. And in the beginning, I had somebody tell me like, okay, who is your demographic for say this radio station? Yeah. Maybe like 32-year-old female or whatever. Put a picture of a 32-year-old female right in front of you and talk to her. So you don't say words like, and I encourage you with this podcast, mm-hmm. avoid words like everyone, hey, y'all, hey, everybody, you all out there. No, you're talking to one person. You're talking to the other person listening to us right yeah. now. You know? And when you treat it like that, it glorifies all the amazing magic of radio that secures it as a broadcast medium, but as an intimate medium. That's like what's it. most important. Yeah. Radio is an intimate medium. I like that. You just treat it like you're talking to one person. Mm-hmm. Use words like you. You know? That's that's good for the psyche too. 
<laughs> totally. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it helps you relax a little bit, you know? I encourage people to look at their social media that way, too. Sometimes you'll see people who do a post on Facebook, like, have you all ever, like, people think, like, on their social media that they're, like, broadcasting to a trillion people. Like, no, you're not. Really, it's one, person, it's one yeah. pair of eyes yeah. that you want to absorb that, embrace that, whether like it, comment on it. You're talking to one person. That's like the way it. I look at it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So, yeah, we've been... I pushed record a little while ago, just so I don't care. I'm good. Just, we're just rolling. <laughs> so, I, so I guess on that note, let's get the introduction because I'm, I'm, I'm really good at that. <laughs> let's go ahead. Go. So, Adam Montiel here, local. So, radio broadcaster. Yeah, extraordinaire. I would say that's very kind. So, I'll, I'll so, take so, that. So, so someone I've I've listened to growing up in this area for really? a very long time. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, you're up in Adam program, man. It was like. It had been at least a year. I answered my phone every day at eight o'clock in the morning. With, no way! Oh yeah, just waiting for it. And I'm it was like Jimmy some and people, I'm up and Adam in the yeah. morning. <laughs> That's <laughs> so good. And every good. people call me like, "What did you just say?" That is <laughs> damn so it! Good. I didn't win. Oh, you made my day with that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So for folk, you know, for you listening, it's like there was a promotion we did called the cell phone salute. You'd sign up for it, and then when that time would roll around, I would go off the list of all the people that signed up. Just call one at random. And if they said, hey, I'm Jimmy and I'm up and Adam in the morning, they would win whatever prize from the sponsor it was or whatever. But yeah, great bit. It was fun. It was cool. And I can't believe you're like answering your phone like that. Oh, it was so awesome. <laughs> I love I it. I couldn't have been the only one, right? No, not at all. No, no there had to be. It's been. so funny. The stories I hear of that. But yeah. it's it's been a minute since I, because, you know, that's a great cell phone salute. I love it. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> was like, who calls you at eight o'clock in the morning for the most part, you know, on your right. cell phone? It's yeah. like, okay, well, it, this has got to be, but I, you know, selling cars all the time and never, so I was like, I always have random numbers calling me, local then, 805 then, numbers. And then everyone's got caller ID now. Yeah. So then you got to like hide the number, star six, seven, or whatever you do. And, yeah. You know. Well, for you doing, for, I guess that would only thing would make sense. Yeah. Because otherwise they would know right away. Sure. And the whole thing is like to get them to say it to people that aren't you. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what we would do is if they didn't say, hey, I'm Jimmy or whatever their name is, and I'm up and at him in the morning, we would mess with them. Prank, you know, we crank call them. Right, right. And that would bring up like, I mean, because I've been doing prank calls since I was a kid. You know, like old jerky boy stuff. So, oh, like, that's fantastic. Yeah, so we, we would seriously mess with someone and just try and like string it onto one that either got it or it just got so far where I just let them off the hook. <laughs> it was great. That's enough punishment for today. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the jerky. It was fun. I was just went went down a rabbit hole of the jerky boys this last weekend on YouTube, and they got the mechanics kit one. It's like, oh my god, it's just it's just so Frank ver- Rizzo. It's just so verbatim of like, yeah. And I want to say it's like exactly what happened. We deal with every day in the shop, but it's like, man, it really strikes a chord. But it's like it doesn't matter. They're so good with all their different industries. Like yeah. it strikes a chord with everybody. You does. know what I mean? <laughs> it does. Um. So I wanted to bring in and talk about a little bit of marketing. And then obviously, you don't have a whole lot of mechanical experience as far as automotive. What makes you say that? I don't look strong and able? You look strong and able. What are you trying to... No, I did tell you. I, 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 well, you came in on a bicycle, so I figured your yeah. car didn't run. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because my dad was so... I mean, yes, he's still around, but he's so great at cars. And the two things I regret... I remember telling you this on the phone when we've met. The two things I regret not really just absorbing from him mm-hmm. was one Spanish because he's from Mexico City and I don't speak fluent Spanish. I know enough to get me in trouble, but I don't speak fluent Spanish. And then his knowledge of cars, which I just always been admirable and any dude who can, you know, 
look at something identify. I mean, I could change front brakes or something, but you know, like I'm coming to you with a, a wheel bearing issue with my fiance's car. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, I just, and my, my dad was always really good at that. That seems to be kind of the pattern too, as far as like learning and we're kind of losing that, that generation. Well, cars don't want you to work on them yeah, anymore. You open the hood, true. it's like a, a shell and you don't even know what's inside anymore. Yeah. And how do you feel on that side as like, as, as like a client and you're looking to go buy a new vehicle? Is that something that keeps you away from a new vehicle? Wants you to keep an old one on the road? I mean, a new vehicle has its pluses because ideally you won't have to see professionals like you for a while. Hopefully, right? Cause the car's yeah. going to run good. But no, I mean, I, and I feel bad. I really enjoyed meeting you because it's nice to meet people in an industry where for a long time your industry has been, you know, unfortunately kind of marred with be cautious. They're going to go, they're going to get you. Or like you'd see those, yeah. like, you know, those consumer advocate stories of we sent a woman into the mechanic shop and look what they, you know, yeah. so it's like, and I, I'm sure those the are 2020 as right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when you take an expertise that you have that not a lot of people do, it leaves a lot of room open for that kind of stuff to go down. And, you know, that was kind of one of those things that people had to worry about. So that's why, you know, it would leave my dad to say, mm-hmm. so we got to know how to do your front brake side. I'm like, come on, it's why you got to know how to do X, Y, and Z. So no, I really revere people who have that kind of mechanical, you know, spirit and acumen that you guys do. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And then on, on that note is like being able to take all care of basic maintenance items. It's so important. That's why I do the radio show too, right? It's like, if you want to call in, you want to learn it. And I think, um, there's a big stigma in the industry of like guys trying to help or girls if, if they become, you know, skilled in, in the, in the trade. Yeah. Um, they don't, they don't want that knowledge being like, it's also a secret. Like, don't tell anybody how it's to like do proprietary. that. proprietary. Yeah. Right. And it's like, no help. Cause not everybody has the mechanical aptitude to take what you're going to tell them and, and go replace their brakes, right? Go replace the transmission. There's so many intricacies of the vehicle to diagnose, to repair that. Yeah. You could look up a YouTube video and watch it and learn. It's like, you're not going to go do a timing chain on it. You're like, what? Right. Exactly. <laughs> no. And I appreciate that because you've seen that, especially like in Paso and we can, you know, I'm sure over the course of the show, we'll, you know, draw some lineage to like my experience, whether it's in broadcasting or in the wine industry. And where you see people here in the wine industry, and it's part of the reason why this area has grown so exponentially is just that like open hearts, open cellars, open minds, like they're willing, oh, you need a bulldog pup? Oh, I got you. Or you need this? Like, I got you. Or they're just they're open to mm-hmm. it, you know, and, and there's other wine regions like, like say like Napa or this or that where like you don't see that camaraderie among people or just like the willingness to like take down the curtain and just be real. So honestly, that's another reason why you specifically, I was like taken to you in a way because you are like, Hey, let's just bring down these curtains. Let's just be real. Let's educate people because the smarter they are, they can make more informed decisions. So when we need to come to a place mm-hmm. like shifting gears, shoot, we can. Yeah, the parallels through the industries are, I mean, other than maybe the, the medical field, right? Yeah. I mean, but even still in the medical field, like you, they should be, they're practicing medicine in the law field, right? Like they're practicing law. Like I'm practicing working on cars every day. Like, I really it's do a practice like it. every day. I really do liken it to those two things because those, both of those vocations and professions that you mentioned are very, 
you can you can Google just as much to get you in trouble. Yeah. If you if your mom's in the hospital and you're visiting her and the doctor gives you the line items of what they're what they're dealing with, you start Googling and that could be a great blessing and also it also can be a great curse. And same thing with your car. I mean, like we you know, when someone doesn't know what they're they just know that they want their car to run and and soundly, right? Mm-hmm. So no, I mean really you're talking about an acumen and a and a knowledge base that is very much on a unique level as say law medicine winemaking sure right sure i mean they're learning a new how to take a certain varietal and mix it and blend it and i mean everyone's trying to be become the best winemaker right like you want your wine to taste good right yeah (laughs) yeah you want to taste right and and, and you don't know if it's going to be good for years and years and years later so you better be skilled you can't just like make this creation hey i got this i got this wild idea you're gonna, you can't just be good at winemaking. You got to be good at farming. Like, yeah. you don't even start winemaking until you can farm because it all starts in the vineyard. You know? Right. So, right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, and, and it all kind of starts like what you're talking maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, if I'm, I'm guilty of needing an oil change probably right now, you know, in my car. So, yeah. I mean, so there are things, Everybody that, is. <laughs> there are things that we are guilty of that we could be doing better <laughs> to make that end product the way it's supposed to be, treating our cars yeah. or whatever it is the best. And, and yeah, part of it's just not having the time. Everyone's busy. We all have other things that we should be doing. Yeah. So part of it's like, okay, well, I could do this maintenance, but I'm going to just take it somewhere where I can trust to have it done. Yeah. But then there's the other side of it was where um, eventually you're not going to be able to figure something out. Eventually there's going to be a code. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be a broken bolt. that you like. Eventually you're going to need someone that's very skilled to be able to maneuver, do whatever it takes to, to complete that repair, right? And so for me, hiring like a plumber to do my water heater at my house, like I'm, I'm just going to... Yeah, I could probably put a water heater in, right? It's <laughs> the hardest thing in the world. But what happens when I have a leak that I can't figure out? I got a I got a stopped up drain that I can't declog, right? So I'm gonna just have them do the water heater, and then I have someone to call when I have a major problem. Because I think a lot of people wait, right? It's like not they having do. a. It's like that's like not having a doctor, and then having and then needing to go get like heart surgery, right? Like. You don't even have anybody you know how to call or trust or like yeah. you're just going right in for the for the most like <laughs> right <laughs> you know what I mean yeah no it's, it's totally true with a car like they just suspend this vehicle maintenance and then their transmission fails it usually comes to us right because we're a transmission specialist but they aren't really there's not a lot of other options like they're just they just have to get it fixed and sometimes they're in the middle of the valley and it's like whoever's oh. close right yeah. it's like. You don't have someone you can call. You don't have a shop that you've been using for the last 10 years. You don't have this network that you've built by just getting your maintenance done, right? Sure, you could do it cheaper, but it's all about making the connections, right? Like It totally is. I'm so glad you put it that way because it's almost like a vet. Like a lot of people look yeah, at their vet. Good, yeah. um, we have a dog. They look at their vet as like, oh, it's my vet. Like it's almost like my doctor. Well, I look at a vet like I got one in Paso. I got one in Pismo. I got one in Slow. And I've gained relationships with them over the last like 10, 15 years where I could text any of them right now. And mm-hmm. then it's like, if something happens to Georgie, could we go there? Do we go here? Like, and then you feel, you feel trust. You trust them because you know, again, here's veterinary practices are in alike what we're talking about law and medicine and auto mechanics. Like 
You don't know what you're doing. All you know is you want your dog to be healthy and happy and be okay. Oh, yeah. And you know that these are likely going to be, like your car, like your law services, and like your medicine services, they're likely going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. So how can we find a person we trust? How can we dial it in and be as educated as possible? If you can do that for a customer, you are by far further than a lot of other people. I really think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's 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 a lost art. For one, does it feel like that to you? I, I do. Yeah. I, I feel like I've 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 always felt like I've been a little different. Really, <laughs> that's interesting. I almost like want to start interviewing you now, <laughs> you know, because it's a really interesting aspect of it. Because I mean, there are mechanics and garages everywhere. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how one stands out from another. It's it's difficult too to to continue on that path, and you know it's the right thing to do. The hard the hard part is. You want to be fair, right? And being fair in your mind is giving everybody a cheap, cheap service, right? Like make it as cheap as possible. But you realize that's not the way you can pay your employees to have trusting employees and trusting technicians and right. technicians that you can pay to go to training and learn the latest and greatest and buy the nice tools to get the job done right and not, you know, half-ass stuff. It's... And, and it's this evolving process over the years where you realize, like, the only way I can get the shop and the technicians to do the job right, diagnose the vehicle correctly, is to get the money. <laughs> and there isn't a tree out back, right? Like our dad's always taught us, right. no money tree in the back. So the money has to come through the door. But with that, then you got to provide the service so that the clients coming in are happy with paying for that service. Right, because you can't just up your prices and say, "Okay, well, I got to charge this to pay for these guys." That's not how it works. Yeah. Now you have to, yeah, you have to raise the level of competence in the office and have people that are that are smiling all day, that answer the phone with a smile, that are not like, "Hey, I'm in the middle of a quote. I'll call you back." Right? Like, you, no, you can't do that. Right. And so the whole the whole shop has to elevate. And for a long time, you, you look around and you're like, hey, what's this guy doing? What's the guy's charging? How's this guy doing? And you walk into their shop and see how they're communicating with their customers. And, and then when you start realizing that doesn't matter anymore and you just start focusing on what you're doing and what you have to provide to get that money through the door to pay your technicians to keep the business evolving, you don't even care what anybody's doing anymore. Like, I, I do not care what that guy charges per hour because it doesn't matter to me. This is what I want to do. This is what I have to charge to pay my guys this much because this is how skilled they are. But you also have to be fully cognitive of some folks are going to be shopping around right and maybe they don't and you know maybe they don't get the blessing of working with you and having you fix their car obviously you guys know what you're doing here and stuff but i mean even someone who like who i mean i, I am very much like i want to meet the person yeah. i want to like feel like what wh wh where are we going ask some questions i ask way too many questions i always have mm -hmm. since i was a kid those things weigh into me going, okay, let's bring our business there. Yeah. Or and let's the, not. And the communication process is the most important part. Yeah. If I don't have the time to conversate with you, then you're probably going to go somewhere else anyway. So even if I was the cheapest in town and I got to be out there busting my knuckles and working alongside with everybody else just to get enough cars out to pay payroll, I'm not going to have the time to have a conversation with you and tell you, hey, this is our process. This is what we do. You're more welcome to go anywhere. So it's like having that breathing room and that time to like engage with the client is how it's like a it's like a full circle right one thing we I always have to talk charge about, enough to be able to do that no you know? totally you're right one thing we always talk about in radio is like smiling like if yeah. you're reading a commercial you smile because it make you, you can you literally can hear Isn't that crazy a smile yeah and when i was talking to leanne 
I've never talked to somebody who I can literally hear a smile coming over the phone yeah. talking about my car and how much I'm going to have to pay for it and when can I get it in. Like, and, and she is just happy and enthusiastic. And I could tell she is smiling on the other end of that phone. It was, I literally heard it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And that's, and that's, yeah, that's gold. I mean, that's, and, and, yeah. and to keep that, I don't know how to put that in the words to, to, to train that to yeah. like, that's, that's the most difficult thing. Right. And it's just like anybody's on broadcasting on radio. It's like, you can't, there's just a, a subtle nuance of like being able to have someone come on the radio. It's like that one, yeah. it's like hospitality. It's like, it's like that you, one flavor in that yeah, wine. And you, you know, like, you what can, is that? You can teach someone how to be hospitable, but real hospitality comes from your chest. It comes from your heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when someone has that, and yes, of course, you notice it in wine and, you know, whether you go stay at that nice hotel or, or the beautiful restaurant, but like if you can come to a place that, man, I'm fixing, because fixing your car is by all accounts a stressful and not a joyous situation. Right. It's like going to the dentist. I got to mm-hmm. do it, but I'm not looking forward to it. And when you can have a pleasant experience and have real hospitality being afforded to you, I mean, what was the first thing you said? You're not even open right now. First thing you said was like, you like coffee? Well, there's some oh no, I like water. Okay, there's some water right there. Like you, you, you were hospitable right from the beginning. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and those things matter. Yeah. And, and it parallels back to like your first comment of like having that stigma in the industry of like, I know. The guys are always mad. They're smoking a cigarette out front and they're like, hey, what do you need? I was like, yeah. well, it's because there's, he doesn't have any money. Like he's not, he's, he's behind on everything. Yeah. You know, and he's like, why would he be hospitable when like the business isn't being hospitable to him? No. It's just like this yeah. vicious cycle, you know? Sure. And you don't need to charge an extravagant amount, but you just need to be involved with the numbers. And it goes back to like the parallels of the podcast and like learning the numbers and like how, how do I make this make sense? Like how, like what, am, what are the list, like, what does all this mean? And that's the hardest part. And everyone doesn't want to suck. Right, but you're gonna suck the first time you do anything. Yeah. You know, it's like no, sure. you're not gonna understand it. And you're not gonna understand it for a very long time. And even still, the numbers of this day for the shop, like I know enough to to now get make a little bit of sense of it. Right, but it's always a learning problem. I'm not a CPA. I'm not a bookkeeper, but I can have a conversation with them now. <laughs> it's like, and that's step one. You know, do you still find yourself stumped? Well, a certain car make model or just a situation oh, that's, in a car that's you're, life, yeah. you're driving you hear like a you hear something like God, what I, I bet 99% of the time you know exactly what, oh that's a wheel bearing oh that's a, a this do you ever go like I have no freaking clue what that is yes and no that's a that's a really good question that's interesting because I don't I don't like think about that too much but it, it does happen and that's another one that brings up because the, oh they they bring the car in oh they want to diagnose it it's going to be you know x amount of money and we're going to have probably an hour or two hours whatever uh wow you can go drive around the parking lot you'll know what it is right away it's like yeah but you don't <laughs> that's work you, like that it doesn't work like that i'm sorry like that's my experience yeah. and and i'm not always right so i've done that before it's like oh that's oh, that sounds like will bearing it's a little different right and you pull it apart and you look at it and you're like oh okay it is a will bearing or it's like this wheel bearing looks fine, actually. Oh, it's like, no. Oh, yeah. That, and, and so that's part of the process. And like with automatic transmissions, right? I've I've done enough of them where I can drive them and I can feel something wrong. I'm like, oh, that's going to be uh, the 3.5 reverse piston cracked in the drum. Or, or that, that's something, that feels like a bad converter. Dang. That feels like whatever. Like no I got a pretty good idea of what I'm going to find when I tear it apart. Am I right? <laughs> like half the time, maybe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no way. Right. I mean, sure, if it's gotten a reverse and it's a certain model GM, it's like most likely the reverse band's broken. It's like a back surgeon going, I definitely think that's C5 or yeah, that's right. L4, you know? Like, I don't but know. But until you get in there, like, of course, you don't know. <laughs> right, right. And some, some are easier than others to get in there. But yeah, I mean, 
I I try not to think about that stuff. I'm definitely the type of the like technician mindset where if I hear something in the car, I'm turning up the radio a little bit and like I'm gonna go ahead and I mean on my own car, right? Like yeah. I, I don't need to stress about this right yeah, now. Like sure. I'm gonna go ahead and and not worry about that. And I have that in my mind where once it gets to a certain point, okay, I gotta I gotta address this now, right? Anybody else, like I, I can't give that recommendation out, and it's an, it brings up a point because I get some people, hey, think I'm gonna be fine then? Well. If it was mine, it would be fine because I can. Because you know cars. I just and it's like that Jurassic Wall, right? Like yeah. I just know it's going to get to a point where I can. Okay, now it needs to be addressed. But yeah. most people, you know, they're not going to really know when it's that that bad, you know. So it's like I can't recommend you doing anything. No, sure. And I get that call all the time too. Hey, I'm. It's doing this and that. Should I just drive it there? Or should I get it towed? It's like I highly recommend you just towing it in. Like because if you're calling me, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure. Most people drive their cars till the brake pads wear through. The disc rotors, like, yeah. How long does it make making this noise? Oh, about a week. No. Yeah, yeah. BS. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, if you're calling me, it's probably pretty bad. But then sometimes they come and it's like, that's not even that bad. What are they whining about? Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 an interesting question to to because I get stumped, and it's just about the mindset of just, oh well, move on to the next thing. And when you're new, well, not new, but when you're green. You you want to be right all the time, like you want to like, and if you don't get it right, it's just like this this gut blow, and you're like, oh, I suck at what I'm doing. I shouldn't be doing this, and you start rethinking all your life decisions. Like, should I really be an auto technician? And maybe I should go bake cupcakes, or like, you get all these like <laughs> like, oh, I, I you know, and um, yeah. So over time, you just learn like you're you're gonna be wrong, yeah, and you just move on to the next step, and and it's all about in the diagnostic process of proving your. Uh, hypothesis, right? You have a hypothesis and it's all about just getting in and proving that you're right. Do mechanics normally admit when they're wrong to the customer of that car? I do. I mean, I, and that, that just, I think that just comes with experience and being humble. Um, being honest, yeah. Being honest, yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing in changing the industry is something that we are actively trying to do. And if you're going to sit there and lie because you can't swallow your own pride, then you should get the hell out of the office. Like, <laughs> you know, or like yeah. you shouldn't have contact because that's not right. You know, and, and sometimes you make a mistake and then you try to cover that up with something else. Oh, it ended up being this and that. And the other thing is like, no, man, like it's, it's always going to find you got people know when you're lying. And even though if they're not automatically or automotively equipped they understand like they can they can spot a lie you can hear it you know you can yeah just you tell. feel like some doesn't sound right here right yeah right, no, right, totally right. and and yeah there's con men out there that are really good at conning that and making yeah. but it's like at the end of the day it's usually going to come back around because guess what they're going to leave and they're going to go ask their dad or they're going to go ask somebody else that's maybe a little bit more mechanically inclined right and they're like that doesn't sound right and that right there you just lost that client yeah forever like they're never going to come back no right and totally so it's true. like but if, if i walk up and say hey look so i was wrong i'm going to go ahead and compensate you for this we got to keep moving forward i'm going to need a couple more days yeah most people are going to be pretty cool about that oh that was pretty cool he actually admitted he was wrong right and then they're going to give you extra time with the vehicle too <laughs> Because most guys get wrapped up. They like do replace a component, didn't fix it. Now they're like, oh, I, oh, I told him this was going to fix it. He's supposed to pick it up by five. And now you're rushing. And it's like, why are you stressing? You're like, just relax. It's just yeah. a car, man. It's just a car. Like, get him a rental if you need to. Like, just, just relax. You were yeah. wrong. <laughs> That's a good point. And I tell the guys that all the time too. Like, y- you're not paid to be right. I mean, we're paid to do the job right. <laughs> like, make sure nothing catastrophic you're not paid happens. To be perfect. No, exactly. And that's what I tell them. Like, if if you're wrong or you break something, 
you just come tell me and we'll go figure out how to fix it. That's cool. Right? And it's like, then we stop the presses and I go communicate with the office. Look, cause I'm kind of like in between, right? So I'd kind of like the foreman of the shop in a sense. So it's like, they can come to me. Hey, this happened, this happened. Cause if they go to the office, they're, you know, as far as being mechanically inclined and fixing a situation, that's probably better for me to get in there. Cause maybe something, Hey, you know what? I have this extra part laying around. I got this. We can, we can make this work, but it's just it, communicate. Like, come tell me about it. Let's contact the client. Let's let them know. And then we can decide what the next step is going to be, you know? And that's if something bad goes wrong. You got to be pretty creative. I mean, I came in here with a bottle of wine that I wanted to open for it, and I didn't have a wine key. (laughs) And we were just like, can we get creative with this? And I saw you get a screw, and it's like... There it is. I mean, we opened this. We opened a $100 bottle of wine with... <laughs> that, was pretty, that was pretty sick, dude. That was awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's part of it too. And that creative mindset, um, I, I and I I say this a lot, and I, I maybe I take a lot of like too much pride in what I do, but I feel like my automotive mindset has has allowed my creativeness when it comes to stuff like that to figure out stuff like way beyond vehicles. Like I just look at things different, and I've realized that through the years, and as I got more and more involved. In the automotive field, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was like every couple of years, I I realized I just looked things at different, you know, um, people would be sitting there opening a door, right? Like this is just an example. You walk into a grocery store and, or a a door and everyone's like pulling the door open, pulling the door open, pulling. And I looked down, there's like a a stopper. So I just opened the door, I put the stopper in and then everyone's just walking. It's like, (laughs) like things like that. Like I just look at things a little different. Like I just watched 15 people like sit there and like navigate this door and it's like, just put the stopper in. There we go. Like, or like something's broken, you know, the smoke detector going off. It's like, just take it out. There's a battery in there. Like, and everyone doesn't want to touch it, you know? I don't know. And maybe it's just me, but I just feel like. So like you're the kind of dude. Like if you're in that hotel and your smoke alarm is doing that like chirp every two, oh, three the battery's coming out. Yeah, you're, 100%. Going, you're getting up on the bed. You're reaching yeah. up there and doing it. If the thermostat's over, I'm pulling the cover off. I'm seeing okay. Well, it looks like the resistor wire is broken. Put it back on. Click yeah, it back no. on. Like I'm just <laughs> that's awesome. Like I'm not calling anybody. Like I'm, not, yeah, like, I'm just right? gonna figure it out. You yeah, know exactly. And I don't know. Maybe there's like growing up kind of poor and like learning how to fix the things that are around you. But was that your dad or what? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. My dad was like the ultimate handyman. That's cool. Like he's just he was he was mechanically inclined, but he was by no means a mechanic. And it's like sure. as I've like evolved in this, I was like, I think about some of the things he taught me. I'm like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's one of those guys. Yeah. You know, but it's like he figured it out. And he was like the con man kind of ish. He'd uh, so I got the story that he he'd always go in and like he liked to just mess with people. I I, I think we were talking about this when it started recording. Like Is he still around? No, no, he oh, really? passed in, in 2018. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, thanks. Um, he So he'd, he'd go in and like pay for something, and he would start strike up a conversation, and he had the gifted gab. He'd, he could talk. Yeah. So he'd put like a 50 down, right? And like he'd start conversating, kind of slip it back, and he'd have a 20 in his hand. And like when they reached out, because he'd kind of pull him back, so he'd, reach <laughs> out, so he'd hand him a 20, and he'd like keep eye contact. Yeah. And all they saw him was a 50. He didn't see the switch of the 20, right? And then like they would change him out and like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he changed him out for the 50 and he handed him a 20 and I'd be sitting there like, oh, oh no, dad. I, I think yeah. that's a crime. <laughs> <laughs> that's so it, was a funny. Different, it was a different day and age, you know, this I was know, like that's what, funny. 25 years ago. Like, yeah. And, uh, that's a great story. Go, yeah. Going out and buying cars with him. He'd always like to buy used cars. And it was like he so was smart at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's so embarrassing. He was like, all right, we're leaving then. And it was like the ultimate, like, Negotiated because he wasn't afraid to walk away. No, not at all. My dad would tell me that all the time. Don't be afraid to walk away. Yeah, I can't. I can't do that. My dad would say this: He who cares the least is in control. (laughs) 
That's a good quote. In a lot of ways, you, in a lot of ways in business, you can find that to be true. Yeah. You don't get unless you ask. He who cares the least is in control. Yeah. That's it's old school mentality. Sure. I, I it certainly like, is. I feel like that's like old generation. Where, yeah. For where sure. like you have Facebook marketplace, right? We're talking like, about our dads. Yeah. Yeah. You got you list something. And it's like, hi, is this available a hundred thousand times? Yeah. It's right. Like, um, I know. It's so funny. People just want like, oh, I it right now. And like the transactional mentality is like what we've been bred as consumers in the last 10 years. And right. that's the other problem when it right. comes to the automotive field is you, you're shopping for an auto repair like you shop for someone on Amazon. And you're just calling around because you think the only thing yeah. that as you think the only thing that matters is price. But that's not even it. You just don't know how to have that conversation. Like you don't know what to ask when you call a shop. How, what, do, what do we ask? I want to know because There's, I mean, look. Otherwise, you're you're kind of coming into it thinking, hopefully, like this is your hope. Yeah. Place A, place B, place C all know how to change. Let's say we're talking about wheel bearings, mm-hmm. but stipulating that all places know how to do it and correctly right how do i find the one that's going to give me the best service and the best price that's the question of all questions yeah and that is like the communication thing right and it's like the one thing that's probably overlooked the most is like is someone going to answer the phone right (laughs) and then what do they say when you ask them what the price is you know what's their warranty how do they warranty it Mm. you know is it parts and labor is everything in house right so these are the questions to ask in my opinion, warranty? in in my opinion, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's and it's hard. And honestly, the the person answering the phone should be able to navigate that conversation because everybody is a little different. And so, to have an SOP, a standard operating procedure, that when you answer the phone, you're just gonna you're just gonna parrot the same phrase over and over and over. You can't do that. Yeah, everybody's in a different mindset. Right. Some people are kind of stressed. Some people are frustrated. Some people are calling for somebody else. Like they don't even have those answers. And so. It's really up to the shop to kind of set up a line of defense in a way where you're kind of walking through, okay, well, do you have the VIN number or the license plate? Oh, no, I'm calling for something. Okay, well, whoever's paying for the bill, right? Like, let's start with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't call for somebody. And and as sad as it is, that kind of weeds out the, the clients that it's like, they're not, you're not going to, you're never going to get there. They're going to look for the guy on Craigslist. They're going to look for Facebook and, and that's fine. There's a market place for that literally and it's like just let that be you know there's no craigslist a bad place to go if you could find someone who on craigslist says oh i'm six times certified i work in a place full-time but just want some extra money it's a job that look you could probably do it in a driveway yeah is that a bad idea no i don't i don't think so the bad thing is, is they're not regulated but a lot of shops aren't either. Like just because you walk into a brick and mortar doesn't mean they have a business license. Doesn't mean they have insurance. It just means they pay rent. Right. That's you know what I mean? Point. Right. <laughs> like, they're not certified. You can you can go buy a, a, a set of Craftsman tools and you can be a mobile mechanic on on Craigslist, or yeah. you can go, you know, pay rent on a spot and move in. Do you find a lot of the mobile people on Craigslist are like a dude who might have a job like here during the day, but then just moonlighting for some extra cash? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's probably... So they, they probably know what they're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's another like tough topic to talk about because the shop's not paying them enough, for one. Yeah. So that's the main problem. But that's the point. But where, where does it end? Like, how much money do you need? Like when, when, like everybody wants to make a million dollars, everyone wants to make a hundred million dollars. Like, but do you need it? 
And so some guys are paid pretty damn well and they're still looking for work. Like, why? Why are you doing mm-hmm. this? You know? And obviously there's a goal and there's a vision. And that comes back to like the owner taking ownership of their shop and saying, hey, what's your goal in the next five years? And it, that doesn't even need to be in the auto shop. That could be anywhere, right? Like, where do you want to be in five years? Like, what, what's your, you want to go buy a yacht? You want to sail the world? You want to, like, what, what's your goal here? Let's make that happen. And if it's achievable, let's, let's figure out how to make that happen. And that's another part of leadership that is really missed in the auto field because you just assume you hire a tech and they're going to come in, they do the work and then that's it. And then you're frustrated by everything else in the world because you, you as a technician have opened a shop. And so you have a technician mindset. You don't have an entrepreneurial mindset. You don't have that. Have you ever uh, read the book, The E-Myth? You know what? I had a boss at a production place in Thousand Oaks who was super into E-Myth. Okay. And although I had a lot of aspects of this boss that I didn't, quite care for he was an alcoholic and but he would talk about being system dependent over people dependent and it's probably the biggest lesson i've learned from him and i will tell this to people like if you win the lottery and move to tahiti or if you you know more morbid or macabre is like you get hit by a bus you're here tomorrow like is your company able to move on because of systems or is it all because of you i have a place yep. I, i'm a fan of in pismo beach called puffers charlie puffer has this bar called puffers of pismo it is fun he has live music he's got great wine selection but charlie puffer is so magnanimous and just this electrifying individual that like if i'm going to puffers i want charlie puffer to be there you know, so his place is very people dependent. Now, he, he knows this. We've talked about this on the air with him and stuff. So I'm not saying anything that he's not aware of. But in the event of something happens to Charlie Puffer, something happens to Puffers of Pismo. Yeah. So if you can have, and I think Emith, one of the tenants of this was being system dependent. Mm-hmm. And I really glommed onto that. And I thought Emith's um, preaching of that was very spot on. Yeah, it's, I mean... And there's nothing wrong with that. No. Like, if you want to own a shop and be fishing by noon every day, like, then do that. Mm-hmm. Hire one employee or whatever. Like, whatever your goal of, like, success is, is, is your goal. Like, you don't have to look at your neighbor and be like, I need a, I need to own a $10 million shop and, or whatever. Like, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, but if you want to progress, that's, like, part of it. And it's, like, having the, the technician, the entrepreneur, and having the, um, having those three different mindsets, right? Where you're either going to be the worker or you're going to be the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Um, there's a third one in there, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the on this stupid thing. <laughs> That's usually how it works. Any myth? Yeah, there's a, there's right. a three different personalities, and I know. So I, I, get I, that much I, into I, it. I, I know. I know. Whoever's listening is like definitely like screaming at it right now. Yeah, right. It's like the anyway, and it's like so. So the point was is like having that technician mindset and not looking back at that thirty thousand foot mark and being like, oh, this is my business, and I need to set these systems in place to make sure that it constantly involves and I'm putting SOPs in place and right. and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. That's kind of like the big problem with technician moving into ownership is they don't take that leadership role and they can't see past that and they don't set it up and, and ask their technicians, Hey man, like you're probably, we're probably gonna spend a lot of time together for the next 10 years. Hopefully. What do you want to do? <laughs> there's a difference between bosses and leaders too. Yeah. And and some people who are great leaders might not find themselves in a position to be a boss or even be, you know, maybe even a manager. But like you can tell people when they're born leaders or or maybe have curated like leadership 
qualities. And they talk about some of the things that like, you're talking about now. Like we're not just talking about, you know, the efficiency, the bottom line, the, you know, the acumen. We're talking about like talking to our, our yeah, the, the culture, culture, right? Yeah. Like, Hey, what are your goals? Or, you know, how can we like, you got this problem? Come to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, these are leadership qualities. So I think it's great to honestly to hear conversations like this happening in an automotive garage, which mm-hmm. I imagine a lot of people, and I'm sure maybe most people listen to this are, are somewhat familiar with the industry, but for folks that aren't, I would really encourage them to listen to a conversation like this because it, it's really cool to hear that someone who runs an auto garage is taking these things into consideration you have to and manager that was the last one so i, I know yeah. i knew you'd get it yeah, yeah, yeah. So that the third personality was manager so uh-huh. you, you can be entrepreneur you can be a manager you can be a technician right you know we all have these three mindsets in our heads yeah. and it's all about like delegating and you're right yeah, the manager takes care of that that um culture yeah and you have to breed it and then you have the technician that wants to work you have the entrepreneur that does all the other crazy stuff right like oh the marketing and and and, and the dreaming the dream the, the vision yeah, sure. and it's like yeah and sometimes you get stuck in one of those phases and you're missing it mm-hmm. and you either got to hire that position or you got to like look back into it and so step one is like hire the technicians you know and then be the manager to take care of the technicians right and then it's like you can have an entrepreneur in in the business or you can continue on doing that it's it it just blows my mind reading that book and seeing and like hearing that it's like oh like wow yeah you know and how like, do auto garages market themselves I mean are there certain things that I mean is it like getting into like the auto trader is it getting well I was, I was I was hoping to ask you that yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of my thoughts on marketing and getting yourself out there, building relationships, but I'm so curious, like from just from the inside, what you guys, what, what do you notice already happening? For mar- on the marketing standpoint? Yeah. Or how, like how you distinguish yourself from the garage next to you or oh, the garage down the shop. The ultimate question. And it's so hard to do that in a, in a 30 second or a one minute radio ad. Yeah. It's so hard to do it on a flyer. Everybody just price, price. Price. Just be cheaper than the other guy. $10 off, $20 off. I'm guilty of it. I mean, it's just the biggest thing. People like to see money off, right? And you can speech, preach till you're blue in the face about your quality and like, I'm going to answer the phone with a smile and we're going to take care of you and we'll call you back. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like you said, people are consumers and they're price conscious and they're just looking for a price. And just like perfect example, shop A, B, and C. All know how to do the breaks. It's all exactly the same. Right, so you're just looking for the price. Mm-hmm. On the industry side of it, we like we know like that's not it. Like some guys don't aren't replacing the bracket pins. The they're not lubing the slide pins. They're not retracting the calipers properly. They're not flushing the brake fluid when they should be. Um, they're not torquing the 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 caliper bolts. Like there's just so many nuances when it comes into just simple as a brake job, right? And you can even say like an oil chain. Some guys don't even they're not torquing the the drain plug. They're over crushing the washer on the drain plug. So the next time you do it, you got to replace the drain plug. Okay, so. It's not that big of a deal, right? Drain plugs five or six bucks. But if you have that car for 200,000 miles, like, do you need, it's like, or do you just replace the drain plug every time and part, make that part of your service? Yeah. Uh, or, or are you filling the oil filter? Are you filling the oil filter with oil so you don't have a dry, dry start on the engine? Like, all these things that are coming into, in, into play when it comes to having a quality service. And, and that's it's all just behind the sim- scenes. And that's simple stuff. And it's all behind the scenes. Like the customer yeah. doesn't know that. You oh, might no. save a few bucks if you don't fill the oil filter. Right. You might save six, seven bucks or whatever. Right. But like, man, if you just fill that oil filter up, you give me a better product with longer lasting ability. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's interesting because, and again, without knowing 
you could even have a good rapport with someone or trust somebody on the front end in the front office. But if you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and certainly we're talking about, you know, vets, lawyers, doctors, you guys, like we don't know the ins and outs to even know to ask, are yeah. you lubricating my support pins or whatever you said? Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Exactly. It's wild. And, and, and it is. It's, and that's, that's part of the industry that like really, I mean, it drives me nuts and a lot of other mm-hmm. people too. Cause, and, it, and it's like, whose fault is that? The technician doesn't know better. And if he does know better, then that's shame on him. But then it's like, is it the owner not teaching the tech? Is it like, so where's the disconnect here that we don't know? And it's, tra- it's usually training and the training is expensive. They can't afford it. And the turnover and we, we have a tech shortage supposedly we don't have enough technicians and and so it's like you're letting allowing these auto technicians to get away with stuff that you normally wouldn't because there's no one to replace them and it just goes on and on and on but the point is it's like always looking for the price if their price is severely less than anybody else or even a little less than somebody else they're cutting a corner somewhere really there has to be there's there's just no way parts are extremely expensive you can't get cheap parts there's no wholesale parts Right, and here's the big secret: the parts at O'Reilly's and CarQuest, Napa, is the same price we get, and we mark them up. Bottom line, that's that's all there is to really? it. Really? Absolutely. We do not have any sort of dealer instead of you can do like World Pack, and they'll help you a little bit. And there's a little incentive if if you have a certain amount of parts that you're selling a month, they'll give you a little kickback. But the price that we pay is the price that the walk-in pay. And there is a list price that most auto parts stores will sell it at a list price but for the most part like they'll they'll put it under an account and it's like a few few, few dollars less yeah but it's not a deeply discounted wholesale right, price right no. like a full-on wholesale nope, retail nope and 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 part of the auto industry is is reselling that part for you know a, a 55 to 60 percent gp and you have to because your hourly rate would have to be three or four hundred dollars an hour if you didn't upsell your parts. Mm. So you 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 have your percentage on your labor and you have your percentage on your parts, and all together, that's what gives you your your GP, your gross profit, and then you take your net at the bottom right after everything else. But yeah, I mean you, the parts we get, that's what we pay. We mark them up. So and same with and same with the labor. We take our hourly rate, and we basically take our our lead technician, and we take our overhead, and we do the do the math, and we say, okay, to to take our our what we need off the top, this is the hourly rate we need to be, and that takes into account our fifty five and sixty percent GP on parts. Now, we sell a lot of transmissions. Well, you can't put that's a hundred and twenty percent market. You can't you can't do that on a transmission, right? Twenty five hundred dollars. You're talking about selling a trans for like four grand. Like you can't do it, right? So then you lose you lose your profit, your percentage on that trans. So then that goes over to the spark plug. So now you're selling a three dollar spark plug for twenty five dollars. Well, you can't do that either because yeah. you know damn you know damn well you go down there and you can get them for five bucks a yeah. piece, right? And so then you have to find this like, and it's this constant dance of making sure that you're not. Yeah, it's 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 a dance. Is it insulting if I? Come to you to fix something on my car, and I say, "I'm going to grab the part. I'm going to bring it into." I want to. I want to dive into that. What, what's what's the so? What is the mindset behind save that? money on the part? Okay, that's fair. I mean, right? That's the reason. So, I don't know if I call it insulting. It's definitely it's a douchey uh, thing to do. Uh, no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. everybody wants to save money, but it's 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 a no go. I mean, for us, we don't do that, and a lot of other shops don't. It's like when I go to the vet, and my vet says you need to get this, and I go. Okay, do you care? Because like I could walk out with this medicine for my dog mm-hmm. from your place, and it's going to cost me one hundred and forty dollars, or I can go to Costco with your prescription, and I can get it for sixty-five bucks. Yeah, I choose to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't hate, you know, but so 
with you guys, you guys won't do that. Why? Because there's like a liability if you get the parts or whatever. Or what? You could you could point a finger at that. There's a little bit of that. Our quality service is three year, thirty six thousand mile nationwide warranty. We have to buy the part and install the part to get that. Doesn't matter. Some parts claim their lifetime warranty. If it fails, whatever. The bottom line is our algorithms, our math, everything that we've done, the hourly rate that we've come to is all based on the fact of taking these parts and making our percentage on it. So installing a part that we didn't buy, right, or doesn't have our markup on it, our hourly rate would have to be $300 an hour to make that job profitable, right? So if we just did like a labor ticket with no parts on there, that screws the whole everything, right? And yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's the so bottom line. So, so if someone does come, even though they may just be trying to save themselves a little money, still respect the work you're about to do mm-hmm. to the car. Yep. In what you, I'm understanding from you, like that's really not a fair thing to do because not for the business, you've no. already equated all these numbers right. out, right? Just so, right? So I guess that's interesting to know. Okay, and, and, and it's a what's a way to put it. I mean, you win some and you lose some, right? So yeah. it, all, it all comes out in the wash. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's really, it's really at the point where we've had it, you know, mathed out. Yeah. Where it's like we know, like we're gonna, we're gonna make our, our whatever our net profits that we want to make at the end of the year, twenty percent, fantastic. That'd be great if we get twenty percent. <laughs> you know. Right, right. But it's like whatever it is that we're trying to achieve for that year, it's like we've got all that algorithm. We got it figured out. Is one or two gonna kill that? No, but. It's like you can't make a habit of that, right? It's like, like this is our this is our procedure, this is our process. Like there might be exceptions, but there's still the rule. Yeah, and it's like in that in that situation, it's hard to make that exception because it's it's it just screws the numbers up. And then you're looking at the numbers, and now uh, next quarter you realize that your your percentages are down. So now you bump up your labor rate, or you bump up your percentage uh, to make yeah. up that difference. And now you've just cheated this person out because they could have paid a, a few dollars less. You have difficult right? clients that will do that. Customers that will just, oh man, here comes Jim. He's such a pain in the ass with that damn car. And he's always doing this. Like, do you have certain people that are just like nightmares to deal with? Uh, I mean, I don't know about nightmares. We got pretty no. good clients. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's good. It, it's just the human interaction. It's just like, well, sure. You see anybody? It's always and, like a roll of the dice, right? Yeah, and some. I mean, and it's it's about what's going on that day. Like, oh, I don't have time for a conversation today, and you, and you know, like, oh, I'm about to be, you know, I'm about to be talking for about thirty or forty five minutes today, you know. Yeah. And you just you just do it, and it's like I've realized that's my job. That's what yeah. I do. You know, just get in there and do it. Um. Yeah. There, there's a blacklist. I mean, there's there's plenty of you top. have a blacklist. There's definitely we don't. Yes and no. So there's like if he comes in here or she comes in here, it's a it's a it's a, a DNR. Do not repair. Wow, you got a DNR. <laughs> do not resuscitate. If their car's dead, do not resuscitate. Yeah, yeah. DNR. Yeah. Wow. Do not repair. Yeah. So they come in now. Even if they're coming in with their, you know, 06 Acura MDX, or they're coming in with their '65 Mustang, this is just a difficult client. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. 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 And it's it's about the interaction and the communication and like, yeah, we can't like. Like he was rude to the gal well, in front, it's just, it's or he just, was. You you spend ten or fifteen minutes on the intake, ten or fifteen minutes on the outtake, and it's not like I'm like counting the minutes, but that's part of the process. Like you take payments. What if someone's really struggling? You did a big job on their car. So we do we do like synchrony. So synchrony has a um, 
uh, who are we using now? There, there's credit card companies that work with auto shop specifically. So, so like qualify for something and get yeah, on. you know the synchrony credit card for like dentist dental dental work. I've heard of like you know for, you done again not to bring it back to pets, but like yeah. you know there's like Care Credit or you know if you're doing your vet same thing. Yeah, same okay. thing. It's okay. Yeah, so, so you fill out some, you qualify for mm-hmm. it, and then you, okay, got it. Yeah, they pay us and then. They pay back the, you know, 12 months, no interest or whatever it is. But yeah, we don't do like the, yeah. Even checks. Checks are getting hard to take too. Really? Yeah. Well, the biggest thing is the chargeback. Oh, yeah. So they'll run a $2,500 credit card and then like three days, four days later, they'll do a chargeback. Because they call their credit card company to cancel, and they cancel it? cancel it. And they're just upset about the repair. Oh. What yeah. do you take? You go after them, right? There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do? Nothing you can do. No, nope. you can't take them to small claims. Like, no, I just did this uh, job can. for you. I mean, it, if it was a ten thousand dollar chargeback, but that puts like, them on the DNR though for sure, right? Oh, that's a for sure. DNR. That's got to be DNR because <laughs> it's like stealing from you. Or, or, I mean, unless you or, really or, did or, something that they really have a rightful argument to make, and if you yeah. really, if you didn't go to the mat and try and address it with them, yeah. But if you went to the mat, tried to address it with them, and all this stuff, I feel that's like stealing from you. That's not it cool. Is, it is stealing, yeah. It, it, I mean, if you came in good faith. Did your the repairs what you thought in good faith and are just merely having a disagreement with the customer? Yeah, it should be able to be resolved. Right. If they just straight do a chargeback, I feel that's like taking work that you've done and then it's stealing from you. Yeah. Not even a phone call. And it's the same with like Yelp reviews, and Google reviews. Oh man. You know what I mean? The fact that you, you, yeah. Do you ever get that on on with your uh, with your radio program? Do you get like? Weird, oh, I get listeners that call. Oh yeah, people will listen. They will swear that they heard you say something that you can prove you never said. Like it literally, you I mean, literally yeah, you know, it's like, a, I'm, like, it's on public airwaves that are recorded every time my mic is on. So we'll go back and listen to it. I can prove I never said it, but you know, people, cause we call this in radio, there's a thing called perception is reality. It might even be for, you could probably apply that to customers of your business too. If you think something, if you, you know, you know it, yeah. I heard it, I know it, it's there, it's real. Or it's like, well, no, not really, yeah. but so that perception of reality is is definitely part of it. But also, like, there is no Yelp review page for Adam Montiel as a radio host or a broadcaster. You know, thank God, right? Because so you didn't get like letters to the studio and oh, sure, here and there, but mostly they're mostly they're good. Like, oh, I, mean, I think by far in my the majority of like my twenty plus year radio career, the amount of I mean, look at one of my one of my the worst things where I got feedback from was I made a joke in the new year about people who do dry January. They always want to tell you about it. Like if you're doing dry January, it's like you have to tell everyone about it. Like you're just, and it's, I'm like these dry January people, they always got to preach to you that they're doing it. It's like they don't feel fulfilled unless they tell three people a day all month long. They're doing dry January. We're just making fun of it, right? Right, It's morning radio. And I figure we're trying to talk to other people, other people that are like that. CrossFit people. CrossFit people got to tell you that they're into the CrossFit. That's true, yeah, Sorry, bro, it's a CrossFit or I can't I'm go to CrossFit. Or uh, people who don't have a TV in their house. People who don't have a TV in their house, they love to tell you, no, we don't have a TV in our house. They just love to tell you. And then I said vegans. <laughs> vegans freaking love to let you know that they're vegan when like people do not care. The tattoo right? on their arm. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, of course, I never got a surge of emails from people who don't have TVs in their house. I did not get a surge of emails from people who do CrossFit. I didn't even get a surge of emails from people who do Dry January. Who do you think I got a surge of bitchy emails from? Vegans. The non-meat eaters. They love to go to task and just 
So it was like letters to my general manager. And of course, we're all just sitting back like reading these, you know, just like laughing at it. But, you know, these vegans, they love, he shouldn't talk about, you know, something. And it's, again, it was, it was a joke. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a joke. I'm on, it's yeah. like the whole thing, you know? And it really just proved my point. Like, here we go, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so there you go. It's nice to be able to laugh at it. I, it's hard not to take it personally when we get a, 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 a I mean, even if it's like without even any, context behind it it's like you get that one star review and it just like hits it's like really well because you care i mean i don't know you all that well i met you just a couple days ago but it's like you can tell when there's like a sentient dude or gal like i care about what i do yeah this is what i'm good at it's the talent that god gave me i'm using it to feed my family and support where i live and support my livelihood and if you're gonna come you know ish on it that hurts. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, and circling back, it's like not even just, not even getting the chance to fix it. It's like, everything was fine. The day's good. We closed out the till, whatever, we're going home. And then like the next morning, there's a one-star review. It's like, I, I didn't even like, like. I, Did you even call me? There wasn't even like an argument or like. Yeah. Like what happened? And yeah. I don't know. Like they well, picked up people, and they left. And like, unfortunately, we are in an area and at a time where because of Yelp and all these things are almost like this opportunity for a person who goes to a restaurant to become a food critic. Yeah. You're not a food critic. You went to a restaurant. You know, so if you're going to like talk about your one, even if I have a one experience that's bad at a place, I will never go give them a one star Yelp review. Now, if something happened to me heinous at a place right. that was like literally, I want other people to know this so they don't engage in the same thing. I'm, I don't think I've ever done it, but I certainly would. I wouldn't be above it. Like I would, but I'm, if if I have one bad place experience at a place, mm-hmm. I'm not going to yelp to tell the world about it. Like, right. no. Yeah. Because some places have bad days. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't actively have a conversation. And I'll speak up. I mean, I would speak up anyways. Yeah. Right. You talk to them and say, hey, this happened. And if they just denied your request to make it better, like, yeah, yeah, that, that could probably serve to head that direction, yeah, right? You walk like, out the door, you're like, see you on Yelp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I get that a lot too. They're like, I get the ones where they, get, they want a price or they get upset and it's like, well, you know, do you want me to give you a review on Yelp? And it's like, are you threatening me right now? Like, are you seriously, we are like mediating this right now and now you're throwing a bad review into you, you like, gotta, the ring? And I, I understand that's not a fair thing for you to hear, but I almost think that you would be best to like educate them in that moment be like, you know what? It's really not something that... I love that you said that, but it's really not something that you just wield around like that. Because yeah. your your Yelp account isn't a sword that's meant to threaten me. Because first of all, I'm not threatened by it. But also, you don't. it doesn't make you look good. Right. You know, now, I will go to somewhere and I'll be like, by the way, this was a fantastic stay. And I'm going to leave a, a Yelp review. And they go, oh, yeah. my God. Because a positive Yelp review, first of all, a tr- 100 people could have a great Yelp a great experience somewhere, yeah. but only one or two people might leave a, a good Yelp review. Right. But so many people might use and wield that account as a bad thing mm-hmm. to like punish or be punitive. And it, it shows really more about them than it does about the business. Now, that doesn't mean that when I go to a hotel, I don't check out what TripAdvisor says. Mm-hmm. If people, I mean, if like, if I'm looking at a hotel and I see, you know, 11 comments that mention bed bugs, probably not going to stay at that hotel. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I'm also reading some of these, like we were doing a trip, we did a road trip through Mendocino County in the fall, stayed at all these little different like B&Bs, little farm places, just fun little spots. And um, some of the Yelp reviews, I loved this owner because anyone that said something a little bit off or 
kind of ripped them because they're like they're like old school. Like they had old school like microscopes. It was a really sh- like kitschy place. It was cool, lots of character. But some people are like everything in here is old or everything, and you know, and it's like that's the point. And the way the owner would just like meticulously, politely. Just eviscerate them. It was like <laughs> Those are comical. The best. Those are the best. I'm like, you gotta read these Yelp reviews odds. This is so gonna tell my fiance. And the way, and she did it with such a loving heart. You couldn't go like, cause she, you know, she could have been even more like venomous to them because they were so just punitive the way they brought stuff up. But it was the way she did it was just so artful. It was so <laughs> artfully worded. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So man, the Yelps, huh? I have a lot of friends that own restaurants and stuff like Yelps are just, ugh. I feel so, bad for a lot of this. And then what happens when someone gets in the news? Someone gets in the news for something, their business, people leaving Yelp reviews for the for the business that's never even been there. Oh yeah. You've seen yeah, this, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, I mean Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yelp has a whole division now where they will like you call a place and they'll shut it. Okay, we'll shut down, you know, things for this because of XYZ, because something happened in the news or whatever. I had a local friend that just happened to. Yeah, totally. People just leaving reviews just to try to get their name. They read about a company in the news, uh, for a news article. Yeah. And they go, what's the way I can hurt this company from a state away? Well, I'll just leave a Yelp review for that place. Well, that's the other thing, too. You have, like, the secret shoppers, you know, like the ones that you, you have a different business. It's like they think we're competition. And then they want to leave a bad review because your competition, <sighs> like, we're, like, what? Like, man, you have a lot of learning to do. No, it, it honestly shows more about their insecurity and yeah. those those do blow like they really feel like a blow to the stomach and it sucks but in the end a person like that they're just not happy right it sucks and yeah yeah, they got you that one you know one check for them but in the end like they're gonna come out right a loser right they just are yeah and it's and it's and it's part of the industry too where we get a lot of shops that show up or like you said on the craigslist you get these mobile mechanics rolling around and they're doing it half price and it's like it sucks Right, because we know there's something getting missed. They're either not paying themselves enough, which they should be making money, right? Profit's not a bad word. They should be making money. They should be buying tools. They should be bettering themselves, education, buying a new tr- whatever they need to do with their life, but they're not. So eventually they're going to fizzle out. In the meantime, we're losing this business and people aren't getting a, a quality repair, yeah. right? And we get these vehicles in all the time. Hey, I've been you know going to so-and-so for the last two years and everything should be good, but now he's not around anymore. And we look at it like, oh man, this thing needs a lot of work. Oh, really? You know? Yeah. There's a lot of, like, really? He said he's taking care of everything. He's like, no, all your maintenances are out. This part wasn't installed right. This isn't done right. And it's like, and that's the problem with the vehicles. They will keep driving, you know? And that's another hard thing to say. Well, does it need to be done right now? It's like, well, if it was mine, no, right? But it's like vehicles just keep rolling. They just mm-hmm. keep going, right? Yeah. And it's like that's when it gets really expensive. It starts damaging other components and, you know, especially with fluids. Like you, you lack your maintenance in your fluids. Yeah, it'll. you could probably go 10 years on transmission fluid, but then that's it. Like you – but if you were to service it every three years during those 10 years – you'd get another 10 years out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And so it's like, it's just this progressive that like all of a sudden, 10, 15 years down the road, the vehicle's trashed, right? And in this day and age, we're getting a lot of that stuff getting back on the road. Well, no, let's fix everything. It's going to be like 15 grand to do this and it's yeah. like an 01 Chevy pickup. You sure you want to do that? Absolutely. I'm not buying a $60,000 piece of junk. It's like, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think about EV cars? Are these easy to work on? Are they a pain in the ass? It feels like just from a cost... 
standpoint, they're more expensive to have. There was an article I read recently where like the average cost of an EV vehicle like, is like, you know, equal to like 17 bucks a gallon mm-hmm. as far as gas. Of course, like, yeah. who wants to do a road trip and have to sit in a parking lot for an hour or it's, two? That's such, I have no ill will against EVs. I think there's a prime opportunity. I think it's not needs to be shoved down everybody's throat. I think, I think it's like a great option and I think it will blossom as any other great thing in the automotive industry does if it's treated properly. If it's in the free market. If it's in the free market. Exactly. If it's forced down your throat, it might not. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with it. Why do I, like with solar, like solar was doing great until the government mandated it yeah. and now all of a sudden it's like, I don't want that. Why? Well, because there's government subsidies i don't i don't want anything to do with that right yeah, no, and you lost right. and you lost a huge amount of people that were going to do it like totally yeah no i don't the government's not here to help me sorry <laughs> like, make a great point <laughs> i'm not doing it you know and that's the problem with ev we're already on the fence and then you just pushed a bunch of people off i think they're I, I love the technology hybrids hybrids and priuses oh like sure you can shit on prius all you want right like it's a uh, pickup and okay. goes those things are well, it's not even that. It's just the technology behind it is just like, it's like, yeah. it's so cool. Like to really dive in to see how they're able to take, you know, an electric motor and re- regen and have the brake regen and, and, and then turn this motor from a, a generator to an alternator and have these, this transistor board that does it like seamlessly where you hit the gas, you're using power, right? You, you release the gas, it's instantly generating on brake gen, like, like that. And you can sit there and go gas, brake, gas, brake, gas all day long. And it's just switching back and forth. And the amount of technology to make that work is like, is so mind blowing. It is crazy. That it's like, it's, yeah, it doesn't get the recognition it deserves, in my opinion. We rented a Wagoneer for our big road trip. That was a fun, you know, SUV to drive. And it's like, you get to a red light and this was not a, hybrid by any stretch, but you get to the, a red light in these like new cars now. And like, it feels like the car is off. And then as soon as you hit the, the gas lightly, it goes, it sounds like the car's starting. Oh yeah. I'm like, what went down there? Like that's a, that's yeah, the start, science the, right there. Yeah, the start-stop technology. Crazy. Yeah. And then like the whole idea of like you kind of like drifting on the roadway. It's like, I got you. Like, you know. It's like, <laughs> a little buzz what, in your seat. What is going on? Yeah. yeah or the steering wheel kind of moves. Like, right. I don't know if I like this or not. Right. Yeah. Cars are a trip, especially the way they're evolving. Yeah. And you have to stay up, up on top of that stuff. You have to pay your technicians because there's no there's no letter that we get, right? Like they, they don't send us a letter. Hey, this is the new stuff and this is how you fix it. No, you have to actively as a technician wow. go seek that education and that training and learn how to do that so new things like right now like if i call you say hey my 2023 wagoneer i don't feel like when it's you know supposed to whip me back into the lane after i fall asleep it's not doing it quick enough do you say actually go to the dealership that's that's some new warranty Um, yeah i mean obviously that'd be a warranty in 2023 but to your point that would be like practicing law practicing medicine bring it in and we'll We'll take a look at it, yeah. you know, and, but then you got to have the ADAS machines and that's the big cali- big lasers that calibrate all your laser points, right? So you have to have this equipment that's extremely expensive to be able to calibrate it. And that's a whole nother conversation about the different levels of that calibration that it requires. Yeah. I mean, you can do like a, a two-wheel alignment or a four-wheel alignment. It's not the same thing, right? And you can have someone align your vehicle with a tape measure or you can use a hunter alignment machine. Right. They both say they're doing alignments, right? And they're both yeah. they're both one fifty nine ninety nine, right? Right. And that's where it comes into that consumer point. Like this guy's doing it with a freaking tape measure and a two by four, and this guy's got a <laughs> an eighty thousand dollar alignment machine. You know, right? Who, which one do you think is going to get it dialed? Exactly. And when we get into like this, the lane delineation and the lasers, you got, if that laser is two degrees off, 
just think about how far it's shooting when you're 100 feet down the road. And if you're expecting this vehicle to stop for you, if you're not paying attention, because that's the next thing, we're all going to like forget how to freaking pay attention because the car's stopping for you. Right. <laughs> and you don't get that laser calibrated correctly and you're just two degrees off, you know, you're talking about 100 meters off down the road. That's a trip. I never even considered that. And then, and you, the laser calibration is the technician's discretion. It's not a safety feature right now. So there is no like standards. So you're literally calibrating it to the technician's standards. Now there is placards and like it's, it's, it's a pretty foolproof system. They've, they're obviously trying to make it as dummy proof as possible. So the guy doing it's like, okay, I need to point it here and here we go. But it's still a thing. Like you can calibrate it and get the computer to say, you're good to go. Right. And then down the road you go, but it's wow. off. You know, yeah. there, there's actually reports of guys going down after getting calibrated and there's a trash can that's maybe six feet off the curb. Right. Well, that auto stops is the laser is not pointing. It hits that trash can and it stops the car in the middle of the lane. Yeah. Do you feel like manufacturers are making cars harder for you and your compatriots to work on? I don't know if it's the harder. They they don't want people touching it. They want they want it to even you. They want to go to the dealer. They want it to go back to the manufacturer. Go back to the dealer. Do their checks and balances. Make sure everything's in house so they can keep track of what's going on. They don't want the independent shops. The right to repair act. Right. They're they're trying to make it so. What's that? That's a law. That's a law that's trying to be passed so that all the proprietary information is only from the dealer, the manufacturer. Right. So So, like the manufacturers are lobbying for this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you guys have good people lobbying for your side? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I'm behind it. It's Are you it. cool? Good. Yeah. So oh, am yeah. I. That's a- yeah. The, the like the Vegas the SEMA show we're at. They were promoting it there, and you can donate to it. And um, there's a lot of yeah. There's a lot out there that as you. I mean, it's hard because people take advantage of it too. So you donate to a fund, and you're hoping that it's going to that, right? You're hoping, but um, yeah, it, it's like with the smartphones. It's the same thing. They want to take their proprietary information and make sure only Apple can deal with it. Yeah. You can't open the phone. You can't deal with it. You can't fix it. But yeah. I own this phone, right? And as soon as you do, it's you lose the warranty. But we've already got away with it. Right. Like, they've already done it. Yeah. You own that phone. I own my phone. Sure. And we can't fix it or we void our warranty. And it's like, it's right in front of our eyes. It, it already happened mm-hmm. to like a $1,000 piece of equipment that's in our pocket. Like, that's a great point. And it's just around yeah. the corner before it gets into our vehicles. And it's like, you have, oh, you have heated seats? Well, there's a subscription for that. And you have to make sure you come to our dealership to have it fixed or have it renewed or have whatever, right? So all that new technology going wow. on these vehicles, yeah, they're going to they're gonna make it proprietary so that only the dealer, only the manufacturer can deal with it. Do you think you have a good chance of beating that, you and your um, oh, I colleagues? So. I mean, it's a, it's a huge, I mean, it's a nationwide thing. And yeah. I just hope consumers, and it's, I mean, I just hope everybody like realizes what's going on. What's the craziest car you've ever worked on? You ever work on a car where you're like, I just don't want to mess this up. Like, it's too nice of a car, like a, you know, Lamborghini, Rolls Royce or something. I think every one of them, I feel like that. Yeah, really? Yeah, of course. (laughs) But the nicest car? I don't know. That's, I think it's just personal preference at that point. You ever test drive a car a little longer than normal just because you like it? Another good garage question. Got all the questions, dude. I I feel like... No, not longer than I should. Yeah. I I honestly don't like test driving too much. It just, people make me super nervous. <laughs> the worst thing is like, if, let's say you hear a noise in your car, you're going to take it to someone like you. And then when that noise won't reproduce for you. Oh my God. You know, it's yeah. like, come on. It's like, right when I get Jimmy in the car, the noise isn't making, it's not even it's like happening going the, anymore. going to the dentist and two stops hurting. Yeah, right. Same, yeah. Same damn thing. Yeah. I bet you also hear some weird mouth noises. People telling you like it's making the sound. Like what kind of sound? Like 
You know, it's almost sounds like it's all. I don't, I, don't, like, I don't get that. No, no, no they no. don't do mouth noises for you. <laughs> Not too much. Maybe with Leanne, and, and I don't, I don't front the office too much, so they probably hear that a lot more. But yeah. even when I answered the phone a lot more than I do now, I, I, I didn't get too much of that. No, people were pretty. I did this one crank call on the air one time on my morning show. I called a piano repair person. And I said, Hey there, I got this old piano. I need someone to come by and take a look at it. They're like, Oh yeah, what's it? What's going on? And I said, I don't know. It's doing this. And I played like a note on a piano. And then I did like, I, I had like a factory, almost like an old, like jalopy kind of like machine sound, like, like old, old, like old school hyperbolic exaggerated sounds. And the person was like, I don't, I don't know what. What did you just do to do? Hold on, let me see. I'll try one more thing. Hold on. And then, like, you know, you hit like the middle C or something on the piano, and it's like, you know, so funny. I, 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 should, so call you. I should call Leanne. You should. This, yeah. I should call Leanne. Don't tell her. I just want to call Leanne. I'm going to do this to her. Hey, I got like a 06 MDX, and every time I push this one button, and the, she, she goes, I don't know. What is <laughs> That would be hilarious. You know what? Yeah, I don't know what she would do with that. She'd probably be nice because the first time I talked to her on the phone, she was super sweet. Yeah, she would be nice. Yeah. She'd probably talk you in circles until you finally just made an appointment to bring yeah, you. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> just keep going around in a circle. I love it. Uh, oh, it's so good. Well, coming, uh, I guess the last part I want to talk about a little bit more is, is, is a little bit of marketing. Yeah. If you have any tips or tricks that. Um, yeah, I mean, as far like as marketing, it. I mean, look, I feel like there's a difference between networking and building relationships. I yeah. think being a part of your community, being a part, uh, and honestly, look, I mean, like the stuff that we've talked about and the stuff I've learned about you before, I, I jumped on the air with you. And right now, it's like these are all the tenants of like good people in the community that are doing X, Y, and Z for business that you want to get to know. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think you have a lot of these like inherent heartfelt tendencies already which are good you're like oh drop the curtain be open especially with a business that we already know is known or at least has a reputation fair or not whatever your opinion for holding a lot behind the scenes yeah. and you know behind the eyes of the consumer is to, to to drop that which it sounds like you guys do i mean i think also you know whether we know that lens correctly or not in the way we look at you, you know, price does matter. So, you know, showing someone, look, yeah, I got a lot of bottom lines to worry about. We got to keep this algorithm correct and true, but we're going to try and offer you like the best deal and keep things affordable. Like I, I know times are tough. We got a economy right now that's only looking, you know, more unsure. So, you know, but people need their cars too. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I think, you know, whether it's, um, there's always a lot of different aspects too. I mean, there's the the aspect of marketing when you have your name on the back of like a ten year old's baseball team, and you know, and you're like sponsoring something small like that. There's like mm -hmm. that hometown feel. There's things when you get involved with like maybe a nonprofit or 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 stuff like that. Those things create like community feel. Um, beyond just like your XYZ, I mean, it'd be interesting to like dig deeper into social media and see how different companies like yourselves uh, distinguish them from each other. Yeah. I think, you know, doing something that is often very heady and very above most people's uh, circle of, of knowledge, having uh, an approachable social media where it's like, 
fun to watch and like there's you know there's a little bit irreverence it's but it also educates it's like hey what am i doing um i'm consulting with a company now a distillery for for their social media it's like okay let's talk about education how do we educate you like honestly i would love to have you on my show just what can i would love to just have you just ask what are the questions how can you arm a person like me to ask the best questions to get the best out of someone like you right you know and i think your social media can have these prongs where it's like Okay, one, it's education. Two, it's behind the scenes. It's fun. I just recorded a podcast with this uh, radio guy who brought a bottle of wine in and like... That's how we opened it, you know, and you show it. Like, I mean, that's why I videoed you. It'd yeah. be a funny, you know, charming reel right. to show this is what Jimmy was thinking when he was, you know, using his brain, but in a very <laughs> non kind of automotive, intelligent way. Um, there's aspects of like how you're differentiating yourself from, you know, your, your fellow competitors and, um, but really educating and showing behind the scenes. And, um, I think that's really important in social media. And do you think the parallels of like the humanity aspect of it, of, of trying to hide your, your, your faults, like, did you, and, and through your career on, on the radio, was there a lot of times where you made a mistake and you tried to cover it up or you were just like, this is the name of the game and I'm rolling with it. So I feel like that's, that's, that's a, like a a great question. Yeah. I think one, one, I mean, I can answer two ways. One, there's been many times where I've made mistakes on the radio and you come back, you own it because people are inherently very forgiving. And the more real you are with them, the more they understand that you're just a real dude who just happens to be behind a microphone talking to, you know, a lot of people. But there are, I mean, sure, there are little things within, you know, like, um, that are inconsequential that you'll be like, Oh, what I do? Let me, let me go fix that. And it might not even be necessary to bring it up. But if you, you know, like you can be on the radio and, um, something is playing, you have one button just missing on the board up and a phone call comes in and a little piece of that phone call gets on the air during a song and you get a text like, Hey, by the way, I can hear that caller. It's like, you know, it's a little embarrassing. And that you're like, that just happened. And you, you, to, to the people who heard it, mentioning it in four minutes when that song is over, a lot of the same people aren't even there. They might have already forgot about it. It doesn't really serve you to bring it up. Now, if a big mistake happens or you say something that's incorrect or you took a stance that maybe you have second thoughts on, I think it does make sense to own up to your audience and say, hey, look, I, you know, I missed the mark on that one. Oh my gosh, you know, um, letting, if you have a co-host and something happens where you guys both take two sides differently on something and they end up being right, let them bring it back to you. But like, you know, I got you on that one. You, oh, you know what? You were right. Though, cause those things work in real life. Yeah. If you have a fight with your wife and she's right on something, it makes sense to be like, honey, you were, you were right as always, babe. Like I always do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, those things make sense because they make you look real. They make you look relatable. And when you can admit to being fallible, I think you um, become more affable. You become more likable. And it's because it's it's relatable. And I think, like I said, I think the parallels of like marketing, doesn't matter what it is, but especially in the auto industry, having that social media presence and then not being so structured. I feel like I feel like we're, we're in the time and the generation where like, like there was a curve in the middle, right? And I can't remember the name of the video, but there's a video that talked about like we always marketed for the curve or we always like wanted to be in the in the middle of this curve, this big hump where everybody came together and we're all like 
oh, we work, we work nine to five and we, and we do like, we do this and this is what we do. This is America. And it's like, now it's come to the point where it's like, there's these, these outskirts where it's like, oh, we were a social media influencer, right? We're a radio host, we're, we're a podcaster. And it's like these, these ends, right, are now becoming whatever, what everybody's like looking up to. They're mm-hmm. no longer looking at politicians. They're no longer looking at like these people that are in these positions of power, right? Yeah. It's all about like these social media influencers and it's like yeah. they're taking the maybe maybe too far, taking a lot of it for verbatim when they shouldn't be. But <laughs> no, sure. <laughs> like, but it's like I think maybe like you said, like the the showing their flaws and their faults is what's like, oh made it relatable. Like I do the same damn thing, but you watch these politicians on and they don't skip a beat, they don't miss anything, you're like you just don't relate to that. And they certainly don't admit when they're wrong. Right. Of course yeah. not. No, like I, I never make a mistake, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, the sharing those things I think is important. I've never told a lie. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, sharing, educating people on stuff. Again, if we're like in the realm of social media, educating, showing stuff behind the scenes that's kind of fun and stuff I would never get a chance to see unless I'm like in your space, you know, in your thing. Or, hey, look, Julio was doing this and he just, and look what he came up on in this, you know, and oh my God, there's like a, a squirrel we found in this. You know, whatever. I don't know. Anything that kind of like makes you guys go, what? Like share that, you know? Yeah. And one thing I, I think um, folks mistake on their social media is they treat it like their social media feed is like this curated art piece when oh it's I, I know businesses will go well it's wednesday we post this on wednesday or we can't post this it's oh, not good, friday good, good point it, and like you're i mean i, I listen to gary v who's a hell of a lot smarter on this than i am but if you have something that's worthy just post it like don't treat it like it's some because no one's scrolling down two months in your feed to see what you did two <laughs> months ago like you know or how like just so it looks yeah. no one's doing that so if you got something get it out to the people that are following you it's not hitting all of them anyways on your uh, back to your radios, did you ever have a script and you try like try to stay to the script and you're like, if I don't stay on my script, everyone's gonna know that I'm off base. No, sometimes a script you try and stay on it. You're like, who the f wrote this? This is horrible. <laughs> and you'll try and get permission no. from a client. Like, I need to, I, I need to. Can do you mind if I? A lot of times you'll ask someone, do you mind if I kind of you know make this my own? And they're like, no, I hope you do. Like, you know, because yeah. if, if you're if they're paying you extra, they're coming to you for an ad. Yeah, they obviously want your like delivery. I could read, my voice can read whatever you put in front of me, but is that going to necessarily sell what we want to sell or right. get people to walk into your business? I might not. I always had the issue of like, not so much doing radio ads, but I'd have like a script for the morning show and I'd, yeah. I think I'd, I know the topics I want to talk about. And so I, are good. I, I would try to stay on that. And I, if I got off topic and I'm like, oh, I got to get back to my list. Like I knew like everyone listening was like knew what I wrote down. I wanted to get through yeah, that. No one knew what no the hell yeah, was like. Exactly. I was like, it was like so weird how I well, wanted. Look, if but like it, great yeah. radio is happening and you are getting taken off your list, you know, use the rest of that list for the next show. Right. I mean, it's right. good to have, especially if you're coming into, I mean, you're relatively new yeah. in broadcast radio. If you're coming into radio and you're, you know, God, I think it's great that you even make, uh, you know, an outline. So, you know, like. Like, hey, what am I going to be talking about for the next, you know, X amount of time? Yeah. Well, that's why I like when I talk about the podcast, like I don't even want a script. Like I've learned in the first year was like, I'm not doing that because it was terrible. I'd go back and listen to myself and I could tell. I could tell I was like trying to do something and no one knew what I was trying to do. You're very good at this. I, mean, <laughs> I feel this conversation has flowed really good. You, For, for someone who's interviewing me, you were very... Um, 
you were very ingratiating when you saw me asking you questions and then it made me feel comfortable like, hey, if I, because I just inherently do that and that probably would have happened anyways from what I do, one for a living, but with the I, way, I picked up on that. The I way like, I am, I just the way I am, I'm, I was like that when I was a sperm. I just always have been like this. <laughs> so, but I, you, you, you reeled with that really well. Like, and you hold conversation really well. And oftentimes, like I just recorded a podcast with, you know, some people right before I came here. And, you know, I just, you know, I have their names and their websites and their stuff in front of me, couple ideas, but you didn't even have that. Like you, you rolled with this really well. Like I'm very impressed. You hold conversation. You hold conversation remarkably well. I'm just, I'm just interested, you know. It's cool. And that's, and I, that I, I, I enjoy that's doing a, this. That's the whole thing. Like, yeah, that's what's cool. <laughs> you do it. You do it with a smile on your face. You're good at it. You have a good voice. Like, no, it's, it's working out well. I hope this podcast does some really exceptional stuff for you. Right on. Well, I appreciate you coming in. This was fun, dude. This was no, fun. I'm going to have you on my It was mine. fun to actually like meet you and like, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. this is cool. I'm going to have you on my show. Yeah. I want to ask a lot of questions and I want to call into your, your KPRL show. You should. Yeah. yeah, give me a really hard time. Prime the pump with just some questions. Yeah. Everybody, everybody always like, yeah. I mean, what you said about like, yeah, in the beginning before we were recording was like, like that that kind of tips and tricks is like, just to kind of bring this full circle, that's what makes people that are skilled at what they do worth money. Not just getting a mic and talking into it, not just getting a car and replacing a part, all those little nuances, you're right? Like, Dude, you're right. You man. know, like that's yeah. the sprinkle of gold that's like, I don't know. It's, it's and, honestly the best way you could have brought this whole conversation around. You're absolutely right, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good point, dude. Thanks for coming in. Dude, thanks for having me. <laughs>